Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. Sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't it? The uh, Pharisees and the teachers of the law certainly found that out in our reading today. But uh, in my research, I found a few uh, old-fashioned insults that I thought I might uh, throw your way this morning, see if you know any of them. Uh, Does anyone know what it means if you're called a bespaller? A bespaller. Uh, means someone who spits or dribbles, therefore a bespaller is a slobbering person who spits when he talks. And if you look at my iPad screen at the end of a sermon, you might say, uh, such a thing may apply to me. Or uh, a dew-beater, D-E-W, dew-beater, uh, is an uh, 18th century word for an especially large shoe. Uh, and in old English times, a Jew-beater was a very clumsy or awkward person falling over their big, awkward feet all the time. Or a fop-doodle, an insignificant or foolish man. Uh, a gobermoosh, an old Irish word for a noisy or prying person who interferes in other people's business. So you might know someone like that. Uh, you can call, Now you've got a word to describe them, a gobermoosh or a gobermouse or... G-O-B-E-R-M-O-U-C-H, however you would like to pronounce that. Uh, the, the, the old English language full of some excellent words for uh, bringing home uh, an insult while sounding intelligent. Uh, and uh, uh, why talk about insults? Well, because that's how uh, Jesus' words today have come across to those he's speaking to. We read in verse 45, one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher! When you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus is bringing some pretty hard-hitting truths home to bear on the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, and it hurts them, and they're insulted by it. It's an interesting passage for us to think about, because I don't know about you, but when you think about Jesus, you don't often think about him saying stuff that insults that is hard for people to hear, that that makes them not like uh, Jesus. But that's exactly what Jesus does today. So let's have a look at this passage and these harsh words of Jesus. Well, first in verses 33 to 36, uh, we've got Jesus telling us to look at the light. Jesus says that his message, his teaching is like a lamp that ought to shine brightly so that people can see it and they can look at him and his words and respond to them. No one lights a lamp, he says, and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Jesus' teaching, all that we've learnt so far up to this point that he's been teaching us about in the Gospel of Luke, is a light that we need to look at. We need to look at it and we need to receive that light. But there are a whole bunch of people who are not willing to use their eyes to look at Jesus and to allow themselves to be transformed by him. They are unhealthy and so they are full of darkness. They are not receptive to the light 
of Jesus. Verse 34, your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eyes are healthy, when you're looking at the right stuff, your whole body is also full of light. But when your eyes are unhealthy, when you fill your insides up with the wrong sort of things, with the things that are not of Jesus, then your body is full of darkness. And so we need to make sure, don't we, that as we've heard over the last few weeks, that we're people who are doing this, who are looking at Jesus and allowing him to transform us, who are letting his light fill our souls, who are doing what he says, for it is then that we are full of his light. But it can be so easy to get this wrong. Light can masquerade, uh, sorry, darkness can masquerade as light. And so Jesus says in verses 35 to 36, See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. You need to be discerning in the way that you look and understand Jesus. If your whole body is full of light, if you're getting this right, it won't be dark. It will be full of light, just as when a lamp shines on you. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Make sure that you're focusing on Jesus, on his words to us. And the story that follows of this awkward dinner uh, where a Pharisee invites Jesus over, I think is a, a more, a, a, an explanation of how you can get this so wrong. How you can think that you're trying to be a light, but how actually you failed to really look at Jesus and allow his light to transform you from the inside out. You've rather become too concerned with uh, appearances rather than the heart. That's what's happened to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They thought they had this whole thing figured out. They thought they knew how to be a good religious person whom God would approve of. And now that Jesus... Uh, has finished teaching uh, and finished speaking, uh, one of them invites him over for dinner. And we know that that's a bit of a, you know, (coughs) excuse me, only a brave man or woman invites Jesus around for dinner. Remember a few chapters ago, uh, Mary and Martha, Martha invites Jesus around for dinner uh, and she gets a little bit of a rebuke from Jesus as well, she's got her priorities all mixed up. Well, now this Pharisee invites Jesus around for dinner, and things go a lot worse for him than they did for Martha. Let's it be said, and it all starts badly from the beginning for this Pharisee, because in verse thirty-eight we read the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, and I think Jesus here is being very, very deliberate. He's effectively acting out. Uh, in his own uh, lack of washing, uh, a parable for what is wrong with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. By refusing to wash his hands, he's, he's trying to show them just how wrong-headed they've become, how obsessed with the wrong thing they've become, with these external factors rather than the things that really matter whether they are looking at the light and allowing the light inside them to transform them. As Jesus 
uh, starts the dinner party without washing. He's essentially communicating to these Pharisees, you are hypocrites. You've got this whole thing around the wrong way. And then from verse 39, he starts to show them some of the things that they have gotten wrong. And the first one we read in verses 39 to 41 is they are focused on the external rather than the internal. You Pharisees, verse 39, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. The Pharisees have chosen a certain set of external laws that they have decided that if you keep them uh, and you keep up appearances, then you are good to go with God. Even if it means you neglect the important things of God, which we heard back in chapter 10 as that person approached Jesus and he, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. What are the things that really matter? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and to love your neighbour as yourself. The Pharisees have totally totally neglected the internal life. They are not generous to the poor. They are not concerned for their neighbour. They are concerned for ceremonial cleanliness so that they can look like they're good and godly men. It's all wrong. The focus is all mixed up. And we see he continues in verse 42 uh, saying just how bad this is. Their priorities all mixed up. Woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue and all other kinds of garden herbs but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced without the latter without the, leaving the former undone. You see it's not that um, the Pharisees were necessarily doing the wrong things, being ceremoniously clean. That's an important sign of uh, uh, the, the problem of sin and our need to be cleansed from it. Uh, tithing and giving things to God, an important sign of uh, our acknowledgement that, 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 that things come from God before we, uh, he gives them to us to look after. But of course, it's, it's the way they are practising these things and, and focusing on these things at the expense of other things. It's a bit like Mary and Martha, the priorities all around the wrong way. The Pharisees obsessed with washing their hands and giving a tenth at the expense of love of neighbour and love of God. And ultimately that's seen as they fail to see God in the flesh right before them. The Pharisees are way out of balance. And they were willing to overlook a whole bunch of really important things because they had their own set of external rules that they thought meant they ticked the box. And because they were such, so good at ticking their own boxes, we see they were full of pride and arrogance. Verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Their whole society was a religious one. And these guys were the religious rule makers and the religious rule keepers and uh, they received great honour for that. And they loved it. It reinforced just how good they were in their own eyes before God. 
They kept their own rules. They were the most holy. They got the best seats. You know, one of the really good things about being a minister in 2019 is that I can't relate to this. Uh, But uh, perhaps ministers of my dad's generation or the one before his much more easily could relate to this temptation where ministers in the Church of England... Uh, given importance. I mean, still in England today, if you become a bishop, you can get a seat in Parliament. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, but if you love it, there is. But in 2019, I don't get very many respectful greetings in the marketplaces or very many important seats. In fact, uh, when I introduce myself to someone, I usually hope that I can... Um, uh, come across as likeable before they ask me what I do for a living Uh, so that there's some sort of hope uh, that maybe they'll still keep talking to me after they find out. But the Pharisees, they were well respected and they loved it. They loved their external rules. They loved ticking the box. They loved the fact that people uh, fettered on them. I think if you want an example of something like this, you go to a country, Buddhist country like Cambodia, where I've been, uh, and there the monks, people, uh, people they, they, they fawn over these monks. Uh, they, they have very little and they give money to these monks. And part of that's because they think through doing that they're going to get some sort of favor this is what was going on for the pharisees wrong focus wrong priorities full internally not of love of god but of pride and arrogance and what does jesus say he says you know what this means woe to you verse 44 because you are like unmarked grave which people walk over without knowing it you are dead on the inside. You Pharisees are so focused on the wrong stuff that you've missed the light of life. You think you're walking in the light, but instead you are full of darkness. And the light has come into the world, and here he is now confronting you with just how wrong headed you've become. And it hurts. Verse 46, uh, sorry, verse 45. Hey, Jesus, we're insulted. You've insulted us. We're feeling a bit kind of bummed about all these woes you're currently calling down on us and our friends. And Jesus' response, he just cranks up for some more. Oh, you're insulted. Well, woe to you, experts in the law. Because, verse 46, you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. You see, I think what's going on here is that in order to continue to prove just how holy they are, they make more and more rules which they can keep but which is harder and harder for regular people who aren't living a life dedicated to law-keeping to follow. They lay more and more burdens and put more and more barriers in front of the people. And they do it so they can feel good rather than so they can help others into the kingdom. These teachers of the law are not the kind of servant-hearted leaders that God's people are supposed to be led by. 
And ultimately, probably Jesus' final criticism that he comes to in verses 47 to 52 would be the one that stings the most. He says to them in these verses that they love building tombs for the prophets as a way to try and honour them. But Jesus points out that, in fact, this is just a testimony to the fact that they are in a long line of descendants of people who've ignored God and his word. The prophets came, they brought the word of God to the people of God, and time and time again they were rejected and killed. And as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law build these tombs as a way of trying to honour these prophets, Jesus says, actually, you're revealing what is true about you now. That you are rejecting God. You've missed the whole point. And not only have you missed the point, you Pharisees and teachers of the law, but because you've missed the point and you're the religious leaders of the day, you've made it harder for others. Verse 52. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who were entering. These people are meant to be the ones who lead people into a knowledge and understanding of God, who point them to trust him and who help them to have eyes to see when God sends his Messiah. But instead, they're rejecting Jesus. They're not helping God's people to see Jesus and they're causing many to miss out on life. How terrible it is when the people of God get so caught up in their own way of doing things, their own way of looking at things, that they stop looking at the truth of Jesus and allowing that to shape their hearts, that they instead look at their own way of doing things and their own external rules and regulations, their man-made assumptions as a way of figuring out who is in and who is out. What does all this mean for us today as Jesus brings a hard word to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Well, I think there's a, a couple of things we might say. And the first uh, goes to the leaders of our churches, people like me, that we must be extremely careful that we keep looking at Jesus and allowing his light and his message of life and his word to be the thing that shapes our leadership and that we do not reject the word of God ourselves and therefore make it harder for those who we are serving to come into the kingdom. But unfortunately, this does happen. And of course, if you're following the press at the moment, you'll know that it happens in the Anglican Church of Australia, where leaders are forsaking biblical truth for the sake of uh, seeking Uh, commendation from the world. We've had two synods of the Anglican Church of Australia pass motions seeking to affirm what is not affirmed in Scripture, the blessing of same-sex marriage. And if that's not bad enough, they do it with the approval of their bishops. 
They call what is sin blessed. And in doing so, they hinder those who might be on the road to entering in the kingdom of God. We must be careful never to reject Jesus for the sake of our own ideas. The other way I think that this happens is that we all become a little bit like the Pharisees. I think to our uh, shame, in the recent past, we have made the Christian gospel in some places, but hopefully not in your life and not in your uh, uh, walk, but in many places we have made the Christian gospel a gospel of good works leading to salvation. The exact same kind of gospel that the Pharisees had, where they were worried about having clean cups instead of what was going on in the heart. One of the most uh, heartbreaking things that happens to me in my ministry is uh, when I go into a nursing home and I meet with someone who's near, you know, they're still with us, they can still understand what's going on, but they're, they're coming towards the end of their life. And many of these people have been in church their whole 80, 90 years. And I sit down with them, I say, how are you feeling about what comes next? And without, with rare exception, these people who have been discipled by the Anglican Church say something like this. Well, I've tried my best. I've been a good grandma. I've been a good father. I worked hard in my job. I try and pray as much as I can. I went to church when I could. And on and on they go. And they list off things that they think they could have done that might be enough. And they look at me and they say, have I done enough? And I say, no. No, you haven't. But I've got good news. Neither have I. No one has. And then I usually open up John and we read about in how in the Father's house there are many rooms and the way in is through Jesus. He is the way, the truth and the life. Without his grace, without his mercy, without his forgiveness, You'll never make it. Look at his light and allow it to transform you. Good works will get you nowhere when it comes to the salvation that Christ offers through faith in him. Well, that can be uncomfortable to hear, can't it? Especially... If you've spent the last 10, 20, 30, 50, 80, 90 years thinking that you were somehow building up a a collection of credit points. And certainly the Pharisees 
didn't like what what Jesus had to say to them. Look at verses 53 and 54. When Jesus went outside, so he's just uh, unleashed this whole set of woes on them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. They respond with hostility at having been confronted with the truth. That they had got it all so wrong. That they had become so focused on these external markers instead of what was going on inside. And in one sense we can say that's fair enough. Because imagine Jesus confronts you with some pretty full-on home truths. I wonder how you would respond. It's not nice when you're confronted with the darkness of your own heart. But we're called not to respond with hostility, but with repentance and with faith, looking to Jesus to bring light into the darkness of our self-righteous hearts. As we reflect on this reaction the Pharisees have of hostility to Jesus... We need to remember that this is exactly what we need. Someone to come and diagnose the dark places so that we might walk in the light. It is never pleasant to have darkness exposed by lights. Let me give an example. Uh, I recently uh, turned older and um, in doing so decided I needed to be fitter. So I joined a gym and I've been going and uh, when I'm at the gym, uh, my lack of fitness is constantly exposed and it isn't very nice as I sit there uh, next to my friend, my new friend who I'm trying to avoid telling I'm a minister, I sit there on the the bench press uh, doing five kilos and he's doing 70. or uh, I, we go on an 800, we do six 800 metre runs uh, and they're all finished and I'm on my second one. Uh, and, and each time uh, the, the, the pain and the fatigue uh, gives way a little bit more and the next time I'm a little bit better and a little bit stronger and a little bit faster. I think that's some sort of helpful analogy for the truth that when we confront our sin with the truth of God's word, it is painful, it is uncomfortable, it is messy, it can feel overwhelming and yet there is nothing better than exposing the darkness of our hearts to the light of Christ. The freedom, the joy, the transformation. And so let me encourage you by inviting you today to look at Jesus, the light of the world, to let his light expose your darkness, to do that in community so we can help you through the unpleasantness that that might uh, have at first, and to encourage you that no matter how It feels at the time that in the end, 
as you experience the wonder of God's goodness and grace, it will be so worth it. Let's be healthy people, full of light, so that we might shine brightly in a world of darkness. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church. www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au Or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.